gathering together is so important, both for encouragement and challenge. And so that's, I was sitting back there and I was praying as we were singing. That's my hope for this morning is that you would be both encouraged and challenged by the guests that we have coming up to, coming up to share. Um, but before, before we get to that, I just, I wanted to take a second and say thank you um, for those of you who give generously and regularly and as you can and what God puts on your heart. Your generosity is what allows us to do what we do here. Um, if you came prepared to give, there's a basket. It's not, oh, it's on the, it's on the radiator over there by that young man. Norbert, raise your hand. It's over there by Norbert. Um, you can give online, crossroadct.info slash giving. But I would like you, as the next 20, 30 minutes go by, I would like you to listen for that still small voice of the Holy Spirit who might be encouraging and challenging you to maybe give a little bit more specifically to our friends who are coming up to share. I'm going to invite my friend Justin to come up here now. And in a few minutes, our friend Chris is going to come up. That's for you. Used to one that's like half the size back where I'm from. <laughs> but good morning, friends. Is it okay if I sit up here, Tom? Absolutely, that's what's okay. there for. Okay, cool. I'm used to standing and walking around a bit, so it'll be a little, a little different. Um, but wow, it is a privilege to be here with y'all this morning. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, so for those that don't know, you got it? Um, I'm trying to look for a minute, but that's okay. Uh, but for those that, that don't know, I actually grew up in Crossroads. Um, you want so, the first one? Uh, sure. Yep, so um, I'm back in Trumbull right now visiting. Uh, this was the one week of the year that everyone in my immediate family could be together, including my sister and my mom. They're back there in the audience. And while I was home, I remember that there was this photo in the baby book that my mom lovingly put together <laughs> for me. I believe this is my first time in... Um, getting a picture taken of me in church. Uh, so this was back in July of 1994. Um, there actually was this folded handout that was alongside it. So someone used to actually make folded handouts at church. <laughs> so hats off to them for doing that for a crowd this big or bigger. Um, and some might recognize that's a young Heidi Joy who's standing over there on the far right. Um, all that to say, uh, Crossroads is a big part of my history. My association with Crossroads goes back a long way. So in many ways, this is very much like a homecoming to be here right now. It's where I first learned what it's like to follow Jesus on purpose and to be discipled as a Christian. In the midst of that process of discipleship, I went on a mission trip to New Orleans back in my sophomore year of high school in 2010 with Tom and a few other people here. I saw Dan George earlier and Kevin. They were both were, were a part of that trip way back when. Um, and I found out while I was serving there with the team that there's actually universities in New Orleans that, <laughs> that you can enroll at and that might offer you scholarships sometimes. Not too late, but Layla did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I ended up enrolling there. And before I left for school, Tom gave me some wise advice to find a campus ministry, which little side note, if Tom gives you advice, it's probably good advice. It probably would be good advice. Right. So <laughs> high school seniors, Tilly, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, now, I didn't immediately take that advice, um, so it took me a little longer to actually find <laughs> that I should have, but eventually I did follow it, and I got involved in a campus ministry called Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship, um, and I was with them for the next couple of years of my time at Layla, and I uh, joined their staff after graduating, and this past year became director. 
or campus pastor of the group at Loyola. So it's my full-time job to minister it, to college students. And are you ordained? You're ordained, right? Uh, not ordained. I'm certified. You're certified. So, so okay. Yes, so there is an REV period in front of, of my name if I choose to use it. Gotcha. Mostly in emails, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I grew up in the Northeast, so um, I'm not very big on using titles <laughs> for a first name basis. Um, so that, that is my full-time job. Uh, so today, uh, Tom asked me to share a few things. He asked me to share, one, what's challenging about ministry at Loyola, two, what are the, the needs that we have, and three, what are we looking forward to this year? Oh, here's a lovely view of New Orleans right here and Loyola right there during the fall. So there's a parking garage that gives you a great view of campus. So as, as, a, as a campus minister, right, yeah. for, for some people might not be aware of, like, just real quick, like top line job description. Top line job description is to minister to college students, to reach out to them, to share Jesus with them, to disciple them, and to help teach them to do the same for others. So that way it's not just me being everyone's personal Christian friend, <laughs> but it's students discipling other students, reaching out to other students, right. and so on and so forth. And Loyola is not a Christian university, right? It's technically a Catholic university, okay. actually, but culturally it's, it's, a, it's very still liberal arts kind gotcha. of campus. Okay, cool, thanks. Thanks, Tom. Um, so, what's challenging at Loyola? So, a good deal of that um, challenge, along with any other campus, comes from just its setting or its unique factors. So, Connecticut's a good example of that because there's a lot of schools here. So, um, Fairfield, U, and Yale, both good schools. Not the same culture, though. Uh, Southern and Yale, same town, very, very different cultures. Um, and so, generally speaking, what makes a, a campus unique is what is also going to present some unique challenges to each campus in terms of setting its culture. And in New Orleans, um, that provides its own kind of setting and its own kind of challenge in setting the culture at Loyola. You want the next one? Oop, there you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, a really good quote about New Orleans comes from the playwright Tennessee Williams. He's probably not getting quoted at many uh, Sunday services. <laughs> <laughs> But he once said that America only has three cities, New York, San Francisco, and New Orleans. Everywhere else is Cleveland. <laughs> so so in, in other words, perhaps a little less insulting to the Midwest and uh, Ohio, uh, New Orleans is uniquely unique. Um, so just one way to illustrate that is there's different seasons that people talk about in New Orleans that other people don't have. So the year in January starts with carnival season, otherwise known as Mardi Gras, which is also king cake season. Um, and then in March, it transitions to festival season, which is also craw crawfish season. Then the summertime, you have snowball season. As you can see, a few of these are, are food-themed. <laughs> um, and then in the fall, you have football season and hurricane season. And then uh, finally, at the end of the year, you have all the other holidays that everyone else actually celebrates <laughs> in the US. Um, and there's a lot that's really novel and refreshing about being in a place that's that culturally rich. Um, there's a lot that is really attractive about that. But there's also a lot that can be really distracting about that mm -hmm. at the same time. You know, college students um, are known everywhere for not necessarily being the most consistent or the most responsible people. They're known everywhere for experiencing anxiety, uh, but not every campus has to deal with a month's worth of Mardi Gras every year or multiple weeks worth of festivals in the spring or every few years having to deal with a hurricane that comes through and might put a stop to mm -hmm. classes for a few weeks. Um, and besides the locals that grew up with all that, um, a lot of the people that come from out of town to Loyola um, 
specifically come because they are attracted to the culture of the city um, and the fact that New Orleans has been countercultural for most of its history in some way, shape, or form. It's always been different from a lot of its peers in the U.S. Um, so a lot of those people feel welcome in New Orleans in a way that perhaps they did not feel welcome where they grew up. Uh, no, to some extent, they're outcasts that have been looking for a home that they never had and feel like they might have found that in New Orleans. So that presents a lot of the challenge of being at Loyola. So I just got to get these guys apart. There we go. Okay, there we go, success. <laughs> um, yeah, so generally speaking, there, there might be a certain sense of suspicion that a lot of students at Loyola have towards Christianity or towards Jesus because they're coming from this background of being an outcast um, or they're coming from, from a place of just you know being comfortable with, with being weird and Christianity does not seem cool <laughs> to them. But naturally these challenges define our needs. For students to help other students meet Jesus and be a part of his kingdom, we need students that are first willing to follow the advice that we can read in Hebrews 10.25. Uh, which the author says, not giving up meeting each other as some are in the habit of doing. When it's very normal for college students everywhere, um, especially at Loyola, to not be committed in general, but especially to Jesus and to his kingdom. In other words, we need students to follow the advice that Tom gave me <laughs> back when I was a young college student about joining campus ministry and not giving up the habit of meeting with other believers. And we need students that are like the Samaritan woman in John 4, uh, students that are coming from a background of being an outcast, of feeling not at home, of perhaps being stigmatized, or feeling like they don't really fit in with normal, quote-unquote, culture, being able to see past that suspicion and hurt to see Jesus for who he genuinely is. Uh, but even though Layla's unique challenges make, uh, make ministry interesting, um, the culture that creates those challenges is also what we look forward to addressing when we're on campus. So what we're looking forward to is seeing a culture of students grow that is determined to be consistent and responsible where their peers aren't, whose lives are firmly rooted in Jesus and committed to the Great Commission that we read about in Matthew 28, to make disciples of Jesus in all nations, which that includes the U.S., and that, that includes cities like New Orleans, and includes college campuses like, like, like Loyola. What we're looking forward to is seeing the outcast students meet Jesus students that have a life story or personal characteristics that on the surface would indicate a total lack of interest, but are willing to act on the hunger for God that's in their hearts they might not be fully able to verbalize. And we're looking forward to all that because that's what we've actually seen happen before. <laughs> when I was a student in Chi Alpha, students were not that vested in actively reaching out to and discipling other students. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of student-on-student -student discipleship. It was mostly staff to students. But my first year on staff in 2016, there was one student, her name is Marissa Robinson, you can see uh, her over here on the left, um, that well, was, was very involved, and then the, the next year, she decided to become a campus leader. Um, and now, she, many times when she was at Loyola, she actually contemplated leaving, because she just really, in many ways, didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, but she stayed committed year af after year, and then her senior year, she met a student named Bree, who's over there in the glasses next door. Bree was a, a freshman student. And when, you, when I talk about student leadership at Loyola, know that it's, it's about like a 10 to 20 hour commitment a week for a student leader to both be personally invested in their relationship with God, to be 
active in consistently coming to, uh, to events or um, to actually have a personal relationship with the, the students that they're reaching out to and meeting them one-on-one -on -one or in a small group setting. And that adds up to a lot. And on top of the noble commitments of being a college student and getting good, good grades and making sure that you can afford to be at school, that's a high commitment. But Marissa was really willing to do that, even though it was not culturally normal <laughs> for her to do that. Um, and then her sophomore year, Brianna discipled another freshman named Kalia, who's pictured here in the middle in the, the towel after her baptism. <laughs> um, and then Kalia, in turn, started discipling a student named Madison, who is uh, this small girl in the, the middle <laughs> of that picture right there, which actually is really interesting. You actually get to see the full progression from Brie to Kalia to Madison right there in that picture. And Madison, this, this year, decided that it was her, her, her time to become a student leader at Lale and to do what has been done for her for other people. Um, and these students are meeting the outcasts and having conversations with them about Jesus. So this spring, Brianna um, had an unexpected conversation with a student, um, I'll call it Rhi, or at least it was unexpected for Rihanna. Um, <laughs> um, it was not so unexpected for Brie because she was intentionally going out actually having conversations about God with people, but it was a surprise for Rhi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and re-accepted Bree's invite to a Chi Alpha meal and kept coming back after that, started hanging out with their leaders regularly. It turns out they all like watching uh, called The Midwife together. <laughs> um, but Rhee's someone that does not come from a quote-unquote normal background. Her dad is Reformed Jewish and her mom is Wiccan, so just straight up pagan. So Jesus was not really talked about much <laughs> in her household growing up. Um, and then one day she's talking to another student leader, Whitley, over there on the far left, um, about God and saying, you know what, Satan's not actually that bad. <laughs> or he, he's, he, he's not as bad as people say. Um, and that um, preceded a whole other conversation that Whitley had with Rhiannon in, in re response to this. Um, so Whitley, unbeknownst to me, had actually been through years worth of demonic oppression when she, when she wow. was a child. And not just like, oh, she suspected something was up. Like, no, she was like seeing a woman that was not there for years of the time. And so she responded to Re by saying, hey, listen, this is not something that you want to mess with, I know from personal experience. So that's a very light conversation, nice, fun conversation to have <laughs> with someone. But Re actually got more interested in talking about God after that conversation with Whitley, after Whitley had shared her own personal experience. Uh, at one point during the semester, Whitley was having lunch with someone else in the quad, and suddenly Ree shows up and actually proceeds to ask her two hours worth of questions about God. Wow. So there was a hunger that was just developing over the course of the year that Ree had um, that Whitley was able to help be a huge part of. Um, so this is what we are praying and hoping for at Layla. We're, we're praying that we have uh, students like Re that are willing to hear about God that might not have expected that. <laughs> we are praying for more students like that. And we're praying for more students that are in the same lineage as these women <laughs> behind me that are willing to lay aside that kind of commitment every week <laughs> to disciple their fellow students, to love their students <laughs> as Christ has loved them and as they've seen someone else love them, to not just be on campus to get a degree um, or to have a good social life, but to really, really sacrifice their, their time for the sake of the kingdom. That is what we're hoping and praying for, for, for what's already happened to happen more profoundly. Um, so also, like while I'm up here, I also just want to take some time to express gratitude to Crossroads 
on a whole host of levels. So Crossroads has been one of my biggest financial supporters of my work in this ministry. And without Crossroads, there's no way I would be where I am, either geographically, spiritually, or vocationally. Uh, literally, it's because of Crossroads that I went to New Orleans years ago. Yeah, there, there's, there's a picture of the group right there. Really young Tom and Dan George and Ed Gillespie <laughs> in, that, in those pictures. Yeah. Um, so there's just an immense amount of gratitude that I have for Crossroads. I really can't pat myself on the, on the back for what's happened at Loyola the past few years. Uh, even when I, when I was looking through the pictures of the dedication service back in 1994, um, I was really, really humbled by that and just like how long the investment has been ongoing and how long the prayers have been there. Um, and that's something that's an inspiration to me because that's something that I talk about with, with, with my students that I don't want you just to be a Christian for four years while you're in college, uh, but, I, but my, my goal is that 20, 30 more years down the line, you would still be following after Jesus, that you would still be growing spiritually, that you would still be investing in other people the way that you have been here, so that this four years really is more of just a foundation for the years yeah. to come. And so um, Tom was mentioning earlier encouragement and challenge, so I want to both encourage you that that as a church, the work that you do in people's lives that's foundational for their spirituality, then that really does matter. <laughs> that it's not a wasted in investment, even if there's some times of frustration and times of feeling. Ministry is never frustrating. Oh, no, no, never, never. <laughs> you know, you just, just throw out the whole challenges part that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and also that investment is something that I've benefited from, something that I want to see come to pass for my students. So my last word is just going to be thank you, and I'll pass it back to Tom. Hello, everyone. It's my privilege to introduce you to Chris, so while we get settled here, <laughs> I think I turned this on, oh, and again, so. Uh, Chris is going to have a video running behind us as we talk um, that I don't think you're going to speak specifically to, right, Chris, but it'll give you guys an idea of what uh, her world is like um, as we go. So this is Chris. She is a or global a teacher, partner. global partner, <laughs> global partner with team, and in she works in the Philippines. So, Chris, give us a little introduction on who you are. I want to start with Maupangaaga, which is Waray Waray for Good Morning. And um, the pictures behind you are from my first two years at a school in the Philippines called Bethel International School. My name is Chris, and I grew up here in Fairfield County. Grew up in Fairfield and have lived in Shelton for the last uh, <laughs> Long a enough. lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've been a member of Trinity Baptist Church in Fairfield. About a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me put it to you this way. Do you remember that thing called Y2K? One of the first things I did in service of the church was to work on computers in preparation for Y2K. So that about puts an, an approximation on it. Um, I came to know the Lord as a little girl, fell in love with the guy who wanted to talk to the man in the tree. So um, at the time, reading Zacchaeus was a very difficult word for me to read, but I got the gist of the story. And in reading that story, I just knew that I wanted that guy in my life. And so I fell in love with Jesus, and I spent my life serving him ever since. Um, 
at Trinity, one of the things that I did and served um, was in the youth ministry. I spent about 25 years in youth ministry, most of those at Trinity, and I met a 13-year-old girl by the name of Brittany, Brittany Garofalo. Um, she met now this Wang. guy. <laughs> she met this guy whose name is Ben. You may have heard of him. Um, but Brittany and I have had the unique pleasure of going from youth leader and student to mentor and fr to friendship and now we are you know like mutual friends and I seek her advice and it's a beautiful thing and when they migrated over here and COVID started they did that online worship session from their living room and I started to get to know you guys and I got involved in one of the small groups and I see some of those members here today um, thank you guys. You got me through COVID. <laughs> we really enjoyed those groups, but that's kind of how I came to get to know everyone mm -hmm. here. And then Leanne and I met, and Pastor Tom. Um, that advice about listening to Tom, I can also testify. <laughs> wow, you, you must, your pocket must be light today, Tom. <laughs> uh, one of the hardest seasons of my life, he gave me some really good advice and pastored me through it. So it was a, it's wonderful. So I'm thrilled to be a part of this. And Crossroads came on board. Um, and it because of you guys, I was able to teach remotely, not this past school year, but the year before. The Philippines stayed remote for a full year after we did, and I was able to work from home and be a part of my students' lives. Yeah. So now you're about to head back, right? Yes. So I'm so excited. So Chris is now with TEAM, which stands for? The Evangelical Alliance Mission. Yeah. Um, and most of my field are also teachers. And we currently do not have a ministry to people with special needs. When I arrived in the Philippines, well, I guess one of the things I should have said in my introduction, um, growing up, I had a visible and an invisible special need. I am legally deaf, and I have a bent leg. So if you ever see me tripping over my own feet, it's because my leg doesn't always do what I tell it to do. Um, those things set me apart. They made me feel invisible, and they defined me for a very long time. And I wasn't, it wasn't until I was almost 30 that I truly began to understand Psalm 139 and what it means to be fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not broken. I'm not a mistake. And I have an abundant amount of worth and value because I belong to Jesus Christ. And because of that, I have a real heart for kids who grow up feeling invisible, feeling like they have no value. So I just kind of want you to picture this scene. Um, on July, I'm sorry, on June 13th, 
after about two weeks of deliberation and conversation with my pastor, I made the decision to spend a year at Bethel International School. I had recently gotten a degree in education, in special education. Um, it's a second calling kind of thing. I did whatever I needed to do to support my youth ministry habit. I worked for a home hospice. I slung coffee. You name it, I did it. Um, Having made the decision to go into the missions field, I called the school and I said, okay, I'm gonna come for a school year. One year. Great, can you get here by July 13th? So I got there by August 4th, July 13th, one month was kind of pushing it, but I did make it by August 4th. And my first day of teaching, I'm in a room with 28 students and eight of them would have been on an individual education plan and identified for special needs. I was told there were no special needs students in this school. Um, a very long and hilarious, if you didn't live it, story of my <laughs> first day of teaching. Ask me about it, love to tell you. <laughs> but um, I covered all of my classes, all of the other American teachers' classes, on my first day, wearing strange Filipino clothing. If you see something that says a mylong, that was my very first day of teaching and that was the outfit. And you have to wear another outfit underneath it because it tends to fall down. Um, <clears throat> and it was like five million degrees. And um, I had no lesson plans whatsoever. And I spent I don't know, six hours in that classroom. It was supposed to be one class period, but I just had to cover all of these classes with no lesson plans, and it was, it was. Baptism of fire. Yes. Right. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> anyway, I walked out of that classroom when I finally, after I went to the bathroom and uh, got some water, and I went straight to the principal's office, and I said, I thought there were no special needs students in this school. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, what about the eight kids in the, the fifth grade? And I started naming names. And she said, oh, the fifth grade, that is a naughty class. Where I saw autism spectrum disorder and cerebral palsy and ADHD, they saw naughty behavior and stupid. Both of those are, are, are words that the principal used to describe some of my students. And in that moment, my heart did that flippity-floppity thing, and I just fell in love with my students, and I knew that the Lord was calling me to do something about this. In the Philippines, it's a shame-based culture, and if you are not able to keep up with their classmates. If you are failing classes, you are bringing not just shame on yourself, but on your entire family. There's one student, I call him Walter. He lived in Tacloban with his grandparents while his mother, father, and brothers lived in Manila. Because of his struggles, he didn't live with the family. They hid him away in the providences zone. They gave him the best education they could, but they didn't want everyone to see his failures. 
after, uh, uh, again, another long story, but I'll give you the ending. He was diagnosed with ADHD. We started cognitive, cognitive behavior therapy, and we started um, educating his grandmother on how to help him learn, and he started some medication. Um, he went from all failing grades and everything but PE and music to all passing grades. At the end of his seventh grade year, he sent me a message and he said, and I'm, I'm quoting this pretty accurately, but I won't get the number of exclamation points correct. <laughs> miss, 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 with a lot of exclamation points. I didn't fail any class twice. I'm going into the eighth grade without having to need grace. This boy who, when I asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up, and told me nothing, I'm too stupid to have a career, is now dreaming of being an author and a social influencer. He has a YouTube channel with about 50 followers. <laughs> He's on his way. <laughs> He's on his way. He yeah. is on his way. But the main thing is he has hope. And at the end of their seventh grade year, they do this really cool week-long field trip. And on that week-long field trip, the school superintendent gives multiple presentations of Jesus's story. And during that time, he decided that he wanted to follow Jesus. And when he was asked why, he said, well, I know God sent Miss to help me and so I need to follow God and that I'm, I'm sorry there are tears welling up <laughs> every time I tell that I, I'm prepared um, but even cooler than that through the process I got to know his Lola his grandmother and his uh, Lo Lolo and that's grandfather but his Lola has decided she also wants to follow Jesus because if the Lord cared so much about her grandson to send Miss to help him that she needed to give her life to him and she did this is the story I want to repeat over and over and over again but I don't want to do it just in this one school it's an amazing school and amazing kids and I love them and I want to be there but we also want to get out into the community. I want to start with one change maker, one person who will be willing to buck the customs and invite people with special needs into their home. I want to be able to pull resources. I want to be able to say, hey, Crossroads, got any special education teachers that want to come for a, a two-week mission trip and share what they know with my parents so that these they can help their kids learn? You know, it was back in 1975 that the United States passed the Education for All Act, which meant that everybody, regardless of your religion, your ability, your color of your skin, it didn't matter. Everybody had the right to an education. And that's what launched the, the education system that we have today. The Philippines passed that act a year and a half ago. It 
Up until then, people with disabilities did not have the right to an education. There is no special education in the public school system. There is no special education in the private school system. There are special schools for the most severely disabled that can afford to pay for it. And they raise the tuition. I mean, it's like twice the cost of a regular school. They gouge the families. And so we want to find that one change maker. And that's my biggest prayer request, to pray for that first change maker. Because we want to pull resources. We want every single child to know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by a father. They are beloved by a heavenly father that's just yeah. is good. He's a good. Heavenly father is good. Well, what give us to the date that you're planning to head back roughly? So we're looking at the last two weeks of September. Okay, there's so there's a date for you guys all to tuck away, to be yeah. praying for Chris. And then there's also a slide. Also, these um, two slides, Justin's and Chris, I will put on the Reach Out tab on the website so you can go back and get the links to the websites. But Chris has an Amazon wish list of classroom supplies that if at any time you want to visit that and um, help her and support her in that. And then this website will access what, uh, your updates and what you're doing in your classroom kind of yeah. to keep you... Was that the team page or my private? You, I think it went to your private one, or did you want the team one? The I might have to one. fix that one. I have to yeah. fix that one. Don't scan that one. <laughs> <laughs> it went well, to your one, yeah. Um, yeah. Back there I have a newsletter sign-up. I'd love to have table, you yeah. sign up for to receive my newsletters. Yeah. And one of the ways that I want to keep you guys part of the part of what's happening is you know, if you want to be a part of my classroom, you have that option. I'm creating a web page and through that you will be able to um, find out what's going on in my classroom, read stories and pictures. There's a private section. That, it, that once you sign up, I'll give you the password and you'll be able to get there. And there's a public session with like just cool pictures and stuff. Right. 